Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Well, how's it going? My notes went away. Oh no. All right, I don't have anything to say. Sorry. It's back. So, uh, man, so how many of you are, are the lights brighter than usual? I feel like I can't see. How many of you are for the San Francisco 49ers? Raise your hand. Like three people? And how many of you are for Kansas City? How many of you are for the commercials between and... And the snacks. And how many think I'm for the Super Bowl snacks? That's what I'm in for. The snacks. Okay. Well, okay. We'll see who was, you know, who wins. Oh, yes. Also, how many of you are for Taylor's, you know, Swifties? You're voting for, you can't, you know, everybody wants to see a, a little bony. Uh, <laughs> I would be getting <laughs> bad uh, uh, emails for saying anything about uh, Okay. Uh, so, where am I? I'm in church. Okay. Uh, I went to the doctor this week. The doctor said, you have uh, good news. Uh, you have the blood pressure of an 18-year-old. <laughs> but you have the brain of a 10-year-old. So, so <laughs> I don't know. That may be good. Uh, so we're, we're in these, uh, dream to destiny is the series we're in. We're talking about the, the 10 test that Joseph had to pass to fulfill his destiny, to complete what God wanted to do in him. And they're tests that we all have to take. We don't just take them one time. You don't just take the pride test one time or the, the pit test, which is not a test to see how good your deodorant is. Uh, the pit test is how are you going to respond when life doesn't go the way you expect it to go. And guess what? It's not. You're, it's not going to go the way you expect it to go. So there's going to be difficulties. Jesus said in the world you'd have tribulation. So how do, you, how do you face that? With faith? Or do you face it with complaining, anger, bitterness towards God? So it's that, that struggle. How do we go through that? Uh, then we talked last week about the palace test, uh, being faithful, being a steward of the resources that you have, the that are not your own. So, you know, in your work life, and how do you how do you manage that? So today we're going to talk about the purity test, passing the purity test. Uh, we are lived in we live in a very sexualized society. I don't think there has been a culture that has been this sexualized. S- probably maybe even more sexualized than the Roman culture of the first century that the church was birthed in. You think about it. I mean, the, the availability of overt, perverse, pornographic sexuality has become the norm. It's not, it's not just, it's not that we're tolerating these things. They're being, they're being promoted I mean, with, I think it, it all changed drastically with the advent of the iPhone 
and a, a, a computer screen through all, you know, now you have all kinds of brands of phones, but with the beginning of the iPhone, basically having a computer in your hand. So it made really unli- virtually unlimited access to all of these things 24 hours a day. So they say that 44% of men and 11% of women viewed pornography in the last month. I think that number's probably low. Uh, but, but 44% of men, 11% of women viewed pornography in the last month. Uh, marital fidelity, infidelity, is a major cause of breakup in marriage. So, so this is an unusual story. You know, we're reading through the Bible, and you know, we've been through a couple of things that we've been through. You have to recognize they're kind of tough sledding. Uh, you know, uh, tough sledding means you don't have any snow, and it's don't get through it quick. Okay, if you don't know what tough sledding means, uh, like the Book of Job is, you know, is is a great book. Starts off great, it ends great. The middle's pretty tough. And now we're in now we're in Exodus, and we we're, we're building the temple, and uh, and it's kind of tedious. And there's some great things. I'm not. It's not. It's it's the Word of God. I'm not. There's things to learn. I'm not saying there's not things to learn, but it's not. You know, but this is a story that's kind of incredible. Uh, so he, Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. So he, Potiphar, now remember Joseph has been sold into slavery by his loving family, <laughs> by his brothers. He's been sold into slavery. I know some of you have been tempted to do that to your, your brothers and sisters at times. Uh, he's been sold into slavery by his family into Egypt, and he's been taken down to Egypt by Ishmaelite, Midianite traders. And now he is in Potiphar's house, and he's rising to the top as like the lead person in the household. So he, he Potter, left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about that after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. I don't think she's saying, let's go take a nap. (laughs) But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he's put all things he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in this house than I, and he's withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day. He did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went to the house to do his work and none of the men were of the house were inside. She caught him by his garment and saying, these, these coats has been a problem for Joseph. I, I would have recommended he just, you know, maybe simplify his wardrobe. Uh, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Well, then she charged him that he attempted to rape her uh, because he embarrassed her when he you know, denied her again and again. And that he ends up in prison because of it. So, so how do we deal with sexual temptation? Sexual temptation is reality in this world. We are sexual beings. God created us that way. It is, it's God's idea. But, you know, God created sex to exist within the marriage relationship. It's kind of like having a fire. Do you want to have a fire out in the middle of the living room floor? Or do you want to have it in its place? Uh, you know, it's, it's having it in its place. So, 
First of all, impurity doesn't begin with the heart, but it begins with the eyes. Joseph, it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and she said, lie with me. So if we're going to deal with sexuality, we have to be careful about what we see. And that's why it's such a challenge. It's a greater challenge today than it's ever been because it's more accessible, visually more accessible than it's ever been. This is, look at what Jesus said, Matthew 5. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He said that looking is the first step to committing adultery. Psalm 101.3. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not, it shall not fasten its grip on me. Well, it did, but, you know, psalm writer, but we'll get to that later. Proverbs 27, 20. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Matthew 6, Jesus, again. The, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Job 31.11, I have made a con covenant, not a convert, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? So here's some just simple things. Don't look at pornography. Don't look at another person sexually. You know, how you, you know, it's like they talk about someone said, well, it's not the first look, it's the second look. Well, it kind of depends on how long the first look is. But you can, in other words, you have to be careful. You have to, you have to control what you see. Don't look with lust with someone at work. And don't look at movies with nudity and sex scenes, which means just when you get into a movie, a, you'll start watching a series and it's all good. Everything's fine. And either the second series or the, about the halfway in, you're like, oh, man. So they, they ruin it. So it's just prevalent. So, so it has caused a lot of people to have a problem. A lot of people are struggling with pornography. So how do you deal with it? Well, one of the ways is that you need to get some accountability in your life. And you, ne you need to get help. You need trans transparency is always the key. The way God helps us overcome any kind of ongoing sin is that we have to take it, bring it out of the darkness into the light. And when we take it out of the darkness into the light, then it loses its power over us. As long as it's dark, it looms in the darkness like it's this uncontrollable monster that if somebody finds out you've got this problem, that they are, they are gonna, they're going to, you know, they're going to cast you away, so to speak. So the Lord deals with it by helping us bring it to light. Confession is one of the th tools that God uses and accountability. So you need to find some, and there's just, there's some resources that are out there that are readily available, just as the phone can be used in a bad way. There's also software that will help you monitor and control, and it will send a report to your wife. If, 
if you don't care about living a long time, or it'll send a report to you know a, a trusted male friend that will help you. It, but your wife or both. You, so often we need accountability. First Corinthians six eighteen says, "Flee immorality." Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Joseph ran out and left his coat in her hand. So the principle here is that you need to put some distance between you and the temptation. So you need to be careful what you're looking at. You have to set a watch before your eyes, and you need to sometimes do some practical things to deal with the ongoing temptation. The second thing that I think helps us not sin is to count the cost of sexual sin. There, there's no sin that doesn't have some death in it, but you know he had said the person who sins immorally sins against his own body. So how do we count the cost of sexual sin? Genesis 39, 8. But he refused, said to his master's wife, behold with me, there's me here, there's nothing. The master's not concerned himself with anything in the house. And he has put all things that he owns in my church. There's no one greater in this house than I. He was his will. Nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? So there's a couple of things to learn. Number one, sexual sin will affect your family. Now, there's a story in, in, in the life of David. We, most of us know that at the middle of David's life, he, he failed uh, miserably sexually and created a mess in his life. And so I think this is, I think this is what happened. I, don't, I can't back this up other than these Bible verses, and, but it's not chronological, but yet the Bible is often not chronological. You need to understand that. So in 2 Samuel 21, verse 16, David's king, and he's, they've gone out to battle. Then Ishbenob, who was among the descendants of the giant, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels of bronze and weight, was girded with a new sword, and he intended to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us to battle, so that you do not extinguish the lamp of Israel. So here's David's been this great warrior. He's, you know, he killed Goliath. And somehow in the middle, he's, in, he's fighting a giant. He's fighting Ishbenob, who's trying to kill him. Abishai realizes that, hmm, it doesn't look like David's uh, doing well. And he goes and kills the giant. And they save David. And they say to David, okay, David, you can't go out to battle anymore. So then this happened. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed. So David's not in the battlefield where he's supposed to be. Why is he not in the battlefield where he's supposed to be? Because they said, We're, we don't want to lose you in the battlefield. So they convinced him not to go in the battlefield. So he's probably midlife crisis a little bit. He's, he's feeling sorry for himself. He's... He's thinking about, you know, I used to get always, I'm a great warrior, and they're making me stay home. Right? So now, evening came, David arose from his bed, can't sleep, walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. 
And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from uncleanness, when it, and it took her, he, I would say he raped her. She, this is, she didn't have a choice in this. He lay with her, and when he had purified herself from uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I'm pregnant. Then in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet came to him and said, there was a man who had a sheep that he treated his own sheep and it ate at his table with him and slept in his bed. But there was a rich landowner who came and had guests. So he took the sheep from that landowner and fed his guests. And when the prophet told David that, he said, that man must die. And the prophet said, you are that man. Wow. What, that's courage right there, folks. You're the man. And David repented. And God forgave him. But there was still a ripple effect of the sin through his life. God forgives us. But the Bible is clear. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So then we see it opened the door to this. Now, there are some boring passages of the scripture. This is not one of them. Okay, this is a crazy story. The Bible's full of some crazy stories. If you haven't read the crazy stories, you should. Now, it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. I don't believe he loved her. Uh, I believe he lusted her. It was not the same. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. That's a weird sentence in the Bible. Love is not doing something to someone. That's lust. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me that Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab then said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat and let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and Make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And I'm thinking, I can't believe David didn't see through this. Right? That I may eat from her hand. Then David sent to the house of Tamar saying, go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house and she was lying down and he was lying down and he took, she took no, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. Uh, you know, kind of like... What's the ghost? You know, they're making pottery. You know, she's kneading the bread. Anyway, you didn't follow me. Okay. She took the pan and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from the room. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. 
So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. When, when she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing he's not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. It's against the law, you know, but who knows? However, he would not listen to her since he was stronger than she. He violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go away. But she said to him, no, because the wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you've done to me. Yet he would not listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, now throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. I mean, jerk, right? Now she had a long-sleeved garment. She had a long-sleeved garment for this man of the virgin daughters. The king dressed themselves in robes. Then his attendant took her out and locked the door behind her. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her long-sleeved garment, which was on her, and she put on her head her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. Then Absalom's brother said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now keep silent. My sister, he's your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now then King David heard of these matters. He was very angry. So he didn't love her. He was lusting after her. His only concern was fulfilling his desire. So David hears it. He's angry, but he doesn't do anything. He, he doesn't follow through in any way. Why? Why didn't David do something? Because his own shame and guilt shut his mouth. He's feeling such residual shame over the effects of his sexual sin that now he's unwilling to say something when he needs to say something because his own failure is holding over his head. So he's angry but, in, but inactive. So the end result is that because he doesn't do anything, then Absalom does something, takes revenge, and Absalom kills Amnon. And so then David doesn't say anything about that. So now there's distance between David and Absalom, and there's this weird relationship because David didn't say anything, so, Am, so Absalom acted, and so now Absalom has killed his own brother, and David's still not really doing anything. He's just angry. And so then eventually Absalom rebels against David, and then Absalom gets killed in battle and he dies. And, the, and Saul, David, I'm sorry, not Saul, David mourns for him then. He, then he mourns. And he's vocal, but he was little, too little too late. So here's the reality. Here's what I want you to get. Sexual sin will hurt your family. God will forgive you and God will restore you. And here's the thing. If you're in the middle of an affair right now, here's the word. Stop. Get out of it. Quit. The quicker, the better. The quicker, the less the results, the effects. Do it. 
Sexual offend, sexual offend, sexual sin will affect your family. Number two, sexual sin affects your faith. Not your relationship with God. God didn't stop loving David, even though he made a horrible, horrible sin. He sinned horribly. Genesis 39, 8. But he refused, said to his master's wife, behold with me, here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He said, how can I do this great evil? How can I do this great evil and sin against God? James 1.14 says, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. James 1.15. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. James 1.16. Do, do, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. All sexual immorality has its foundation in deception. You cannot have intimacy with God and walk in immorality. If you're, if you're walking in any form of sexual immorality, porn, an affair, whatever it may be, you're training yourself to walk in deception. So you come to church, you raise your arms and worship God, but your heart is covered. You learn how to have a covered, hiding relationship with God because you don't want to be transparent because you know when you're transparent, he's going to tell you to stop. And so you learn to pray covered prayers. You're good at praying about stuff and things and people and other things, but you don't pray transparent prayers because purity demands transparency. So here's what happens. If you allow sexual impurity to remain in your life unrepented, you learn how to resist, you learn how to stiff arm the Holy Spirit. You resist the Holy Spirit's prompting. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we, we grieve God's Spirit because there's, there's a sin that he wants to free us from and we're still, we're like, leave me alone. And when we do that, that hardens our heart. Hebrews 3.12, watch out brothers and sisters so that we won't be any of you of an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it's called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. So sin deceives us and then hardens us and we resist, we're resisting the Holy Spirit. And God wants to, God always wants to restore us. God always wants to forgive us. He, he always wants to bring the, the complete work of Christ to bear on us. We are saved, we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are chosen. He doesn't want these things to hold us in any kind of, of bondage that keeps us in a place where we're not listening to God. So sexual sin will affect your faith. It doesn't affect your relationship to the degree it affects your ability to trust God, believe God, and pray effectively. And then the third thing, sexual sin affects your future. I mean, I'm sure Joseph could have rationalized this. I mean, where's God? Where's God? I mean, he's allowed me to be sold into slavery. He's Now I'm I'm in this bad situation. His brothers, he feels like, have ruined his dream and destiny. 
It could have looked like to Joseph, what have I got to lose? He's, you know, like, I mean, really, it's like, how could this get worse? But if he had not responded in the right way, he would have delayed God's destiny for him. For him, He had to pass this test. He had to pass the purity test. And so the only person who can thwart your destiny is you. When we don't walk in the level of obedience that we know. Proverbs chapter 7. Now Proverbs talks a lot of times about, about the adulterous woman. And I want to say that, you know, that there are seductresses that are both male and female. It's not, it's not limited to one sex. Right? You understand that, right? Proverbs 7. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home with her many persuasions. She entices him with her flattering lips. She seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver. As a bear hastens, is a bear? As a bird, (laughs) bear and snare rhyme, so it just seemed in my mind. As a bird hastens to the snare, so that he doesn't know it will cost him his life. It just seems innocent in the moment. It just seems like fun in the moment, but he doesn't realize that the end is death. So one of the ways is that you have to count the cost. One of the ways you prepare yourself is that you count the cost. What is this going to cost me and my family? How are my children going to respond to this? How is my family going to respond to this? What's, what's, this, what's going to be the result of this? What about my reputation? I, I just read this yesterday of a minister that I highly, highly respected. That it has come to light that 19 years ago, He had sex with a babysitter who kept their children. I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. And so now he's still pastoring the church that he was pastoring 19 years ago. And so he he is stepping down, which he should step down, right? But the damage is not just that he had sex with this young woman. That's horrible. That's horrible. But now all the people and all the lives that he's ministered to, when you sin and hurt people, the radius of the hurt goes to the people that have contact and relationship with you and that you love. And he's, he's got a big radius. So we have to be aware of that. There's a cost. There are both male and female seducers. Men, I have learned, I believe this is true, men have affairs with women who build up their egos. Men have affairs with women who make them feel good about themselves. And so it often, affairs often happen at work because you're working with someone and it's just like, Bob, you're so wonderful. You're just so good at everything. And he goes back home and his wife says, Bob, you're an idiot. You can't do anything right. 
So he's kind of drawn to the woman at work that's saying, Bob, you're wonderful. And then women are drawn to men who make them feel heard, who listen and cherished to a man who's paying attention. Sometimes men aren't paying attention. It's hard to get their attention, right? So men have affairs with women who make them feel good about themselves. Women have affairs with men who make them feel heard and who are cherished. So how can we stay pure? How can we stay pure when we feel like we have nothing to lose? We have to, we have to count the cost. We have, to, we have to realize the effect of it. We need to back away from it. We need to back away from the, the bondage. I found the only way to fight sin is with some. You can't fight sin with no. With, you can't build enough barriers around yourself to not sin because you're, you're sneaky. I mean, we all know how to climb fences. I mean, you know, we'll just make a new gate. So we try to build barriers. We try to erect these barriers, and it doesn't work. The only thing that will help us overcome sin is we have to focus on the glory of who Christ is and what he's done for us. We have to deliberately, and it's not, it doesn't just happen. It was like, oh, I'm just going to glory in Christ. You know, I'm going to just, I'm just going to put my focus on what he did and that he chose me and he called me and, and what he sacrificed for me and what he left and the price that he paid, that he left glory and he left eternity. I mean, he humbled himself, became a man in my behalf and he left all of that for me and I'm going to glory in what Christ has done Then I'm going to glory in his accomplishments and what he did on the cross and what the cross did for me. And so you, you have to do that. You have to aggressively fight the fight of faith. You have to choose to fight in faith. Choose to fight the right fight. And when you do that, God, God exposes your heart and draws you to himself. See, when God exposes something, he's not pushing you away. He's not saying, you dirty, filthy, stinking pervert, what are you doing? He's not pushing you away. He's always pulling us in. He doesn't show us something to condemn us. He shows us something to free us. I mean, what if you were walking along and you looked down and you saw, God, I, I've got my foot in a bear trap. You would want to notice that. But sometimes we get trapped, we don't notice it, and God comes along and he says, hey, you want me to deal with that? No, I'm fine. Well, you're not fine, but you're, you want to be fine because you don't want to deal with it. So God in his grace, how does he help us? Because we, we have to resist sin by focusing on Christ. That's where the power comes from. The power comes from not, oh, I can't do this, you know. Do better, try harder. I need to do better and try harder. I just need to do better and try harder. I need to do better. That doesn't work. So you have to find your delight in Christ, and that will empower you. Uh, sex is about intimacy. Immoral sex is a false intimacy. 
So how do we pass the test? How do we pass the test? Well, I'm going to close with this. Watch. You got to begin with the eyes. You have to set a watch before your eyes. Number two, you have to count the cost. The cost of your family, the cost of your reputation, the cost of your faith, the cost of your future. Count the cost. Think about it. And then I want to tell you, God is a God of grace and mercy. Did you know there's people in this room that have messed up big time? And you know what God did? They went to God and they brought their, they brought their mistakes, they brought their sins to God, and God brought healing into their marriage. God restored their marriage. And if, I'm sure if you would talk to them today, they would tell you, it's better today than it ever was. It's better today. Because that's, that's what God does. He's a restorer. He's a reclaimer. He makes all things new. He can help you get your foot out of the trap. He can set you free from the bondages that we willfully have sometimes put ourselves into bondage of sin. Amen? Let's, let's stand and pray. If there's somebody that's you're being seduced or you're seducing, I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus walk away from that immediately. Don't delay no excuses, no rationalization. Step away from that in the name of Jesus. If you feel like you're in bondage to something, ask the Lord to set you free. He is the bondage breaker. He will come. If you need an accountability partner, if you need someone, we can help you with that. If you don't have someone that can help you with that, we can help you with that. I can tell you this. God wants you to be free because you belong to him and he loves you. And he doesn't want to destroy you. He didn't destroy David. He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to restore you. And he wants to minimize the impact in your life of sin and maximize the impact of grace. He wants to use the recovery to touch lives so you can have a testimony of what God has done. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today and we ask you to set the captives free. Open the eyes of the blind, the areas that we're blind to, that we're insensitive to, that we have hardened our hearts, that, Lord, you would open our eyes to see that we would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We would not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but the truth would come into our hearts and the truth would set us free, set us free, set us free. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.